This is The Black Artist Project, an interview format podcast that delivers content on contemporary Black art history and visual culture, specifically focusing on Black artists across artistic disciplines with active practices in Rhode Island. This activity is made possible in part by a grant from the Rhode Island State Council on the Arts through an appropriation by the Rhode Island General Assembly and a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Fumi Ailero is a studio artist, community curator, and freelance designer. Here is our conversation. My name is Fumi. I'm also known as K. Fumilayo Ailero. I use Zizam or they them pronouns. I'm a parent, partner, sibling. I'm a nibbling, cousin, friend, foe, community member. And last but not least, I am an artist. When did you first know you were an artist? Were there any formative moments for you? It was either in junior high or high school when I became conscious of being an artist or the possibility of becoming an artist. I distinctly remember a teacher, my English teacher actually, referred to an image I made in response to a reading prompt we were assigned. He referred to the image as an artwork. And as he's given me feedback on this artwork, he refers to me as an artist. And his comments struck me because I did not, I didn't think of myself as an artist. You know, I liked art or I did art sometimes, but I was never an artist. I did not, I did not identify as an artist. I had a a very narrow conception of what art was or who artists were, as many people do. Not to mention art was considered a hobby from around my way. So I wasn't doing that. By that time, I had only been exposed to artists who were old white men or dead old white men. And I certainly wasn't none of them. That moment in particular stays with me because I I honestly do believe it helped me change course as a young person. You know, in in junior high and especially in high school, I did feel pressure to pursue sports from some of my peers. I enjoyed playing sports, but I wasn't particularly like passionate about them. And I definitely wasn't extraordinary at playing basketball or running cross country. And if it wasn't about sports, my family was on me about 
you know, being on the honor roll, becoming like your stereotypical doctor or lawyer, and, you know, that, that wasn't me. That wasn't what I was doing. Can you talk a bit about your project, Black Earth Collective, and what are some of the goals of the collective? I am a founding member or a cadet, as we sometimes call ourselves, of Black Earth Collective and Lab. We are a emerging community of local Black and Indigenous people who are artists, craftspeople, and designers, either based in Providence or coming from across Rhode Island. We are currently in what I would consider a kind of chrysalis stage of development where we're taking on taking our time and getting ourselves together. We definitely want to be intentional in how we honor and build upon the legacies of our ancestors through art, craft, and design and definitely want to make all of that culturally specific. My co-founding comrades of Black Earth are Koti Nyan, Jesus Hoagwin, Justice Amir Gaines, and my partner, Edwin Shello. Who are your artistic mentors or artists whose work you're inspired by? I definitely want to uplift my indigenous communities and family members as my first and enduring artistic mentors. To be specific, I'm a descendant of the Nahagansic people, the Niantic people, and the Yoruba people. It's the wampum artists, the bead workers, the regalia makers. It's them in particular who continue to inspire me and and guide me in pushing my own work. I am in constant pursuit of capturing the soul that animates cultural craft in my own studio practice. What does being a parkist in residence for the city of Providence entail? Simply put, the Parkinson Residence Program was where artists resided in houses in city parks. Matthew Garza of House of Glitter Dance Company and myself, along with my family, of course, were the inaugural artists. And over a two-year period, we we all worked in our own studio practice and in collaboration with the city of Providence. We worked on some public art projects, some public events, and some citywide arts initiatives. During my residency, I was able to establish Black Earth and facilitate the All Black Lives Matter Street Mural in downtown Providence and Kennedy Plaza specifically. And I did have an opportunity to curate 
one of my dream shows, which was called Black Visual Practice. And it was an intersectional and intergenerational group exhibition at ASU 20. The Parkers and Residents program was a collaboration between the City of Providence Department of Art, Culture and Tourism and the Providence Parks Department. How has being in Rhode Island influenced your work or ideas about collaboration and community? Just as my indigenous cultures and communities continue to energize my creative practice, so does being born and bred on the south side of Providence. Now, gentrification does have neighborhoods looking real different from when I was coming up, but there's still that rhythm and that blues out there that I am constantly trying to translate aesthetically into both my visual and my performative work. I don't think I'm always successful at capturing the rhythms or the blues, but at this point in my attempts of trying to capture that feeling of R&B, it's more of a guiding light than it is actually attainable. This episode was sponsored by the Rhode Island State Council on the Arts and was edited by me, Alex Hainsworth. Thank you to the RISD Museum for housing this podcast on their website, and a special thank you to Brendan Campbell, Jeremy Radke, Deborah Clemens, and Sarah Gans Blythe for additional support. Thank you also to Coma Studio for the song you can hear in the beginning and the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>